This is the Data Privacy Detective. We're here today to talk with Dan Duncan. Dan is Legal Technology and Development Manager of Frost Brown Todd. Uh, uh, good morning, uh, Dan. Good morning. Thanks, Joe. Uh, and uh, Frost Brown Todd's about, what, about 500 lawyers in 12 cities around the United States. And uh, you're deeply involved in uh, data and the management of it and uh, how it all works. That's correct. And you're a lawyer by background, two states, uh, and uh, also a systems engineer. So you cover law and technology. Yeah, a lot of what I do is kind of be a liaison between the uh, lawyer community here at Frost Brown Todd and all things technology. Well, Dan, you, you spotted an article that I just found fascinating. It's by Freedom House. And Freedom House has, for a number of years now, eight years, been measuring internet freedom. Uh, fascinating, and, and you brought this to my attention. I think it was Halloween. You got me scared to death, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, th this program. Now, l let me ask you, I mean, when we talk about Internet freedom, what, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the, a, a metric that this organization uses to um, compare the relative um, freedom that, that different nation states have uh, for their citizens, both uh, in order to keep their privacy and to uh, protect themselves from government surveillance. Okay, so we're not talking about the hackers here. We're talking about governments and, and how that relates to people uh, around the world and, and, and the free flow of information globally. And, and that's what Freedom House try, tries to measure. Um, yeah, you, you you said something fascinating to me, and then what we've seen here since the internet started it hadn't been all that long ago, really. But is is kind of a move from defense, blocking intrusions and this sort of thing, to offense by government. And what are we seeing? Well, as you said, um, say 10, 15 years ago, most people um, considered the internet so free and so open that the only thing you could do is block the otherwise free flow of information and that that's a relatively hard thing to do as president clinton said many years ago yeah, he had like, a famous quote what was it do you remember something that? to the extent of trying to nail jello to the wall that's nail jello to the wall not real easy yeah. not easy and it isn't easy that, that it wasn't easy then it isn't easy now the difference now in 2018 is they've gotten these authoritarian regimes have gotten very, very good at it. They can almost nail jello to the wall, but not quite. Um, but the difference that I saw in reading this and, and thinking about this is the offensive nature with which these regimes have been turning the tables on um, the internet by using the technology to go on the offense and do things like facial recognition and have such vast amounts of storage that you can actually make facial, facial recognition um, work and and quickly and and use that to repress uh, the people under them. Yeah, and certainly to observe maybe their every moment and record about them. And you know, this report it talks a great deal about China, uh, about the uh, the Great Firewall of China and this kind of thing. And what what are your observations about about China and internet freedom? Well, I've always heard from afar that China was good at blocking things and getting better. But the the last year, two, three years at the most, they've become very, very um, astute and, and capable of taking these technologies and exponentially raising the bar 
um, they, they can, uh, anyone, not just China, if they want to use this technology, can um, have the wherewithal in hardware, storage space, and very sophisticated programs that can, much like you see on TV on crime shows, oh, let's do some facial recognition and boom, 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 in, in 30 Find seconds. Find the criminal from a database, uh, this kind of thing. Right, and that wasn't really accurate five years ago, certainly not ten years ago, but it kind of is now, mm -hmm. or it, uh, we fear it is, and um, China and other regimes say it is, and I believe them. Well, we, on the blocking side, uh, that's gotten better, too. We, we read about how China, for example, which views Taiwan as part of China, not a separate country, has, has uh, blocked websites of Delta Airlines and other airlines that uh, list uh, the many places they land, and if it suggests Taiwan's a country, that's a no-no in China. And one can argue whether that's good or bad, but that's China's view of things. And they're getting better and better at that sort of blocking information that they view as improper. That's correct, and they're also, they also have a lot of economic clout now, and, and uh, Western corporations and organizations I think are fearful of losing business and they uh, they see that China can block things and they can um, they can force their hand and say look if you want to fly into our country and make a lot of money then you're going to have to change your advertising on your website. And we've seen this year 2018 is when this is being recorded uh, China passed a new cyber security law with all sorts of standards coming out that that deal with data localization. And what does what what data localization have to do with this? Data localization means that if you put something in the cloud, quote unquote, you really have to have it on a computer in our, uh, in our jurisdiction. In so our you don't let clouds drift outside your boundaries? Is that the idea? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> clouds are nothing but, but very large banks of servers somewhere in the world, usually in a very safe place like a cave. Might be called a platform the way it is under a Chinese law, but a way of uh, receiving and storing information. Uh, in the, at the end of the day, they're on computers somewhere. They want it within their country so that their security service and their intelligence services can get to that physically and mine that data uh, to their own ends. Yeah, and then there's discussion of social credit index. Of course, here we're in the United States. We're used to uh, credit ratings that you know deal with what, how, how high a credit card limit you can get. But China, they're talking about social credit. Now, what's that about? Social credit is giving a carrot to someone for behaving in a socially acceptable way. Because the surveillance uh, state is is so advanced in China, they can actually give you discounts on goods and services if they observe that you did what they wanted to do as a citizen. They can see that you didn't jaywalk, that you didn't post anything on a subversive website. And the more better you do, the more you get as far as uh, bonuses and coupons and that sort of thing. And I'm sure there are those who would say that's a good idea because we're promoting good order in society, but likewise it has a dark side to it. Well, the dark side is, is that the only thing they use that information for? And I think the answer is most emphatically no. Like you've heard many, many people say, if you put some information on the internet, it's there forever and ever and ever, and you can use it for good purposes or you can use it for bad purposes. All sorts of purposes. Profiling that may or may not have a valid basis. That's correct. 
Now, China is not the only thing discussed here. Uh, the majority of, uh, of the nations uh, that were surveyed here that covered, as I recall, 87% of Internet users in the world, uh, more declined in freedom than gained in freedom in the past year. That's correct. This organization gives um, tiers of, of uh, recommendations, and a country can be open or can be very closed and several shades in between, and they try to mark the year, the last 12 months that they look at that country and say you've moved up from sort of free to really free or down from really free to sort of free or anywhere in between. I believe they have five levels. And on the lesser free movement the past year, there's mention of, of Russia and even Australia. It was rather striking. But what, what are the ones that stand out to you, one or two of them? Well. I found it historically interesting that Russia was a kind of a pioneer in things like keeping data within the country, um, and that is spread around the world, certainly to China. And uh, I also found it interesting that China is making no bones about exporting their model of internet uh, to the world, and they actually bring in countries that that maybe aren't very open and free, liberal Western democracies, and say, if you want to control your population using technology with our vision, come here for a seminar for a Adopt month. Adopt the Chinese model. Adopt the model. We'll, we'll even put some fiber cable down and, and get you tied into our system and, and help you with our software. Well, Dan, is there any hope here in the report? I mean, I did find some, but what, what, what occurred to you? Yeah, a lot of times these reports are shocking to read, but if you read carefully, uh, I think there are some rays of hope. I was very impressed with a very a quick mention of Estonia and Iceland, who were pointed out uh, that they were doing a good job. They were um, uh, more free and actually the two most free countries mentioned in the report. They got the two top ratings. They, in the were, the, they were the valedictorians of the, of the class and I think the reason is they're using a technology called blockchain which is relatively new but moving like gangbusters these days which is a very 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 secure and, um, and, and hard to crack technology even by governments hard to put a back door on it. And they're using that technology to ensure personal data is not compromised and in, in able, you're able to do things like the GDPR um, with this technology with the knowledge that your government is not going to be able to get in a back door. Now in Estonia I noted uh, actually uh, informed citizens online if their personal data is being looked at by government agencies with, with some exceptions if there's a terrorist investigation underway. Correct, but transparency I think is better than um, just it, it, it may be that your government has a backdoor or they may actually look at your data in exceptional situations, but you're supposed to be told as, an, as a citizen that someone looked at your data. At least you know they did it and you can, there are some remedial measures as well that you can take with that government. At least you know it happened. Well, for those uh, interested in reading the report, uh, it's available at freedomhouse.org and uh, punch in uh, the rise of digital authoritarianism and you'll find the report. Dan, you know, we're all individuals. Uh, what can we do about internet freedom and our own personal data? Well, we can do, as individuals, you can do all the things that you've been told to do at work and on online to protect yourself better. Um, I think with passwords, password managers, that sort of thing, that is important. I think that we can exercise our privileges as citizens of Western liberal democracies to educate ourselves and vote 
for persons and parties that promote the idea of, of uh, personal freedom on, on the internet and freedom from government surveillance. Um, you need to educate yourself though. The, the landscape changes very, very quickly with these technologies and it's hard to keep up on it. You need to make an effort, I think. Well, we all want to be safe from uh, bad things, and we want, uh, you know, our government security forces to, to do the right thing, but likewise, we need to protect our own personal data. I think that's right, and uh, I think that we still have hope and opportunity in, in um, many countries to get a better score next year on this report. I think that any country can get uh, a better score, and I think that we need to be aware that there are some countries that are doing some ver a very, very poor job with uh, what the United Nations has uh, determined to be basic human rights, and I think we need to be cognizant of that, not just in our own neighborhood, but around the world. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this is the Data Privacy Detective signing off here, and as you know, protecting your personal data begins with you.